Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a trip. Ah! <laughs> I told you one day I would make you a trail runner. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like a Freudian slip. <laughs> in an episode somewhere. I guess I'm a wannabe trail runner, huh? Who loves to run in Seal Bay. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a road runner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today marks the last Inspired Souls episode of 2020, where Kim and I finally share the story of how we met and take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of our life as podcasters. We cover all kinds of embarrassing bloopers, as well as reflections from our 14 guest interviews. We get into my marathon DNF and redemption run this fall, which many of you have asked for. And Kim shares about her limitless vertical challenge and completing the entire Mantario Trail in just one day. We want to thank all of our incredible guests for sharing their stories. And we also want to thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you could tell a friend about it, subscribe, or leave a rating and review. All of this helps connect runners with inspiring stories to get them out the door this winter. And now on to our end of the year reflections. Well, hey, Kim, how's it going? Hey, Carolyn, I'm doing great. How are you today? <laughs> awesome. I thought it was about time we finally told this story about how the two of us met, right? We've been podcasting now for three and a half months. We've alluded to this story here and there in different episodes, and it's finally time. It's the end of the year wrap up. Let's give the give the listeners this story about our parallel lives and how we met. For sure. I, I think it is time. So it's really kind of crazy how certain things just happen in life. And it was, oh, early 2019, early, you know, early summer, late spring 2019. And uh, one of the people I work with happens to be Carolyn's sister-in-law. And one day she walks, walked into my office and just casually said, Kim, you really need to meet my sister-in-law, Carolyn. You guys would really hit it off. And I was like, okay, sounds great. Oh, she did say that Carolyn was a runner, which of course, I, you know, cool person Pe automatically. your interest. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> must be cool because she's a runner. And so um, I got Carolyn's, I can't remember how, if I got your email or your phone number. And I think Carolyn, um, Nikki was doing the same thing with you. Oh, totally. Like the very same thing was going on. She's like, are you sure? Are you sure you haven't met her? She d she would describe you to me. And I'm like, yeah, she does sound like someone that I should know. But it's so funny when she was describing it because she's like, she's a military spouse. Her husband like was in the Air Force or is in the Air Force. Um, she used to live in Comox and now she lives here and she works with me. I'm like, huh. <laughs> well, and actually, now that you mention that, I had been chatting with Tim, with um, Nikki's husband, uh, and who happens to be your brother-in-law, your husband's yeah, brother. Yeah, my husband's right? brother. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> and through, through another way that we knew each other. And I was hearing for almost a year about, yeah. you know... Um, Carolyn and Johnny who are in Comox and they're moving here and we're going to be so excited about having them here and they're, they're runners. And I'd heard all about you. Like I knew yeah. so much about <laughs> you. Um, like, like you said, military connection, Comox connection, 
but you running connection, physiotherapy connection. Yes, we're both physios, but you. I used to be. Technically, I'm not anymore. (laughs) Okay, well, yeah. I just don't want to put out the, you know, that's like against our code of ethics, right? Right. Well, (laughs) trained as a physio, history as a physiotherapist. Yeah. Well, Um, I worked it for 10 years as a physio. Yeah. Yeah. No. And Tim, and same thing. He'd be like, and she, he would describe Salming to me too. Like she's Uh, an ambassador for the shoe company and all this. And I'm like, okay, well hook me up because she sounds like someone I need to know. So So we finally did. We finally made a coffee date. We met at Starbucks and it was like instant connection. We just had so much to talk about right away. It wasn't more than 10 minutes. And somehow the word podcast got dropped and it was, <laughs> I want to start a podcast. And it was like, no, I want to start a podcast. And we looked yeah. at it <laughs> and we basically said, let's start a podcast. I know. And ah! that's, because I think we were, I was kind of considering becoming a physiotherapist pissed again to go and work at Pan Am Clinic. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was recruiting you. No, it wasn't you kind of. I was aggressively uh, recruiting you. And, and I did go down the rabbit hole of looking into what that would entail. And it was like mm-hmm. trips to Ottawa to retake the oral and the written exam. I was like, no, I like gone down that road. I, I But if there's any reason that I would ever become a physiotherapist again, it would be to solely treat runners. Like that's, that would be the niche, like it would be super niche. Um, But it just wasn't what I wanted to do at that point. But then it was like, I think you were, I was reading the book, The Passion Paradox at the time. You're like, I'm listening to that on audiobook right now. It was just all these things. I was like, oh, I still think that there's a way we can collaborate Mm -hmm. that isn't me working at Pan Am Clinic, you know? And so that's where it went. And then the podcasting thing. And it was pretty soon after that. I think this was spring of 2019. It was pretty soon after that, that we started having regular meetings meetings about the podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, we set up meetings every Friday, or sorry, every two weeks on a Friday. And we just started planning it all out. We choosing a name was like the hardest thing ever. I think we chose two or three names before we realized that, you know, that domain had been taken or that, (laughs) you know, handle handle on on Instagram had been taken. (laughs) So that was or somebody already had a podcast by that name. Yeah, yeah. So we, finally... we thought we were so original, right? Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently we weren't until we came up with what we have now, which honestly, I'm I'm really happy with. I think our name perfectly encapsulates our, our mission and our purpose. So couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. It was all meant to be the, all the disappointments along mm-hmm. the way of like, oh, Soul Sisters Radio, like yeah. that one's taken too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, Inspired Souls, it, it just led to something even better, which is often how life works, right? It is. It is. And, you know, we, you were really, you'd done your research, like you'd already taken courses and, and seminars on how to podcast. So I must definitely compliment and give you full credit, Carolyn, for all of the background work that you've done from software to the types of mics to use. You hooked me up with this great podcast called How to Start a Podcast. <laughs> Original, right? <laughs> yeah, which which was great. We, I think I listened to that thing three times. Same. So it was, essentially, yep. you know, we finally, finally got to the point where we ordered our gear and I think it arrived, our microphones arrived in December of last year. Like that was a year ago already. <laughs> I know, I know. Because I have a picture because I sent it to you being like, oh, 
Merry Christmas to me. Like my podcast microphone arrived, my Christmas trees in the background and everything. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, we're going to, you know, January, this thing is going to be out. (laughs) Yeah. And then I don't want to say we dragged our heels. It was COVID. COVID, it it really disrupted our flow of getting together uh, every two weeks to kind Mm -hmm. of knock some of these um, jobs off the list and everything and uh, really did disrupt everything in life for a while. I know you were super busy when a lot of people were like, wow, COVID hit and I had all this blank time in my calendar. You had the opposite experience, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, everybody had their challenges during that period of time, but it would honestly really irritate me when people would say, enjoy this time right now. Enjoy all your downtime. (laughs) And I would just be like, I'm working 16 hour days. But yeah, it was it was a really busy spring, stressful spring. So we pretty much just put everything on hold. We weren't at the point that we could do everything virtually, or we didn't think we could at that point too. So it wasn't until restrictions started loosening early summer where we started getting together again to just finally get started. And we recorded our first episode in July of 2020 which wasn't published until September. We wanted to have a few episodes in the bank before we actually started uh, going live with the podcast, which I'm really glad we did. I'm glad we took the time to just learn, <laughs> you learn the editing process and and doing all our prep work because it's been, I think, even though we've had a lot of bloopers and... <laughs> Fun moments, which we'll get into a little bit later. It's been relatively smooth, I think. I think it has. Yeah. 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 So we we got a few episodes recorded in the summer. So July, August timeframe and then released. We started off with releasing three, didn't we? Right off the get go. And in September 7th, on September 7th. And then we did an every other week release schedule at first and then it did not take long I think it was only about a month of that and then we started building up episodes to the point where we're like we need to release weekly or else some of these are going to be out of date almost by the time they were published because even my brother so by the time his published which I think was maybe around the 21st of September or the 20 something of September yeah he had referenced it being 40 degrees or something at the end of July, you know, which is like in September, by end of September, we're not dealing with those temperatures anymore. I'm like, oh, you know, so we started publishing weekly and we've been doing weekly ever since like the middle of October. Which, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many amazing stories to tell and people who have amazing stories to tell that we have not had a shortage for guests, which I'm so grateful for. Same. Yeah. So let's talk about some of our favorite episodes and and highlights of the people that we've talked to in the last few months, Carolyn. Yeah. Well, let's start with the funny things because I laugh in every single episode. Like people have such hilarious stories. And the the big one here, the glaringly obvious one here was Ariel. Oh (laughs) my goodness. (laughs) Almost every story she told, like, you know, going out, she's running her 100K you know, Guinness attempt, Guinness world record attempt on the treadmill. And like, you know, her friends go out, she wanted ginger ale, right? So her friends go out, they don't have enough coins and they like 
<laughs> borrow money from a homeless person on the street. She tells that story. Oh my goodness. So I what you doing yesterday? Up. Yeah, you know, I set a Guinness world record and luckily I was supported <laughs> by a homeless man who gave me a ginger ale. Like, oh my goodness. And, and just kind of the haphazardness yeah. in which she finds herself in ultra running, like with gummy worms and, yeah. a, you know, water plastic water bottle and everything oh yeah hilarious. she was great oh we got a lot of great feedback uh after her episode you know she she was fun to listen to and to talk to another one that stands out to me there was a lot of great stuff in carlene's episode she had amazing stories but i still cannot get over the image in my head of her coach like in the 1980s flying over the cross-country race courses in his plane videotaping the courses on VHS tapes so if I recall video cameras back then were like half the size of my body he yes. must, must have had um I hope he had a passenger in that plane videotaping while he flew it because <laughs> talk just, about dedicated coach no kidding like that is going beyond above and beyond like yes. wow she had a yes. few other good stories Oh, she, I, I cracked up because I've heard some of those before, like when the two of us would run, but just that image, it's the way she tells that story mm-hmm. of the, of the shorts and all this like new kind of racing short that had come out in the time. Cause she felt like a dinosaur out there racing with these um 17 to 20 year olds. And here she is 35, like seeing what she could do on the track. And then she's in her Lululemon loose shorts and everyone else is in there like you know, racing uniform, you know, the spandex short, short type of thing. And so just her telling of that story. And it it gets you right there at that. Not just, it's so much more than the shorts, right? It's really the, I feel out of place because of this and that. And, uh, but really I look at the picture and she belongs, she belongs there. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, I I saw this picture and I'm looking for the mom bum shorts and I'm like, um, (laughs) is it that one? Is it that one? Right. Uh, at least I know that she's probably that tall one there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too funny. I cracked up at Kevin's too when he, and this might hit home just because he's my brother, but Kevin's, uh, Kevin was episode three, I believe. And he was talks about, you know, kicking, like just really turning on the jets at the end of a a cross country or or track race in university and becoming slower because he and I have, we have like zero fast twitch muscles in our entire body. I'm certain of that. (laughs) And, And so we're made to go long and we're not really good at going fast. And so I just cracked up about that. Well, I would beg to argue with you on that one. But, uh, yeah. We can argue. We can argue. <laughs> it is relative. He does. He does um, throw that caveat in there that it's relative. But yeah, when you feel like you're just flying at the end, and then you watch the video, and you're like, "Really? <laughs> that wasn't going very fast at all." Love that. Oh uh, man, you know it. I don't know if this is a funny story or just an interesting reflection on um, Dave's episode. You know, we started chatting with him and normally we start out with the tell us your, you know, about yourself and how you grew up and how did you get into mm-hmm. running? Well, we just kind of dove right into it with him. And it was probably 10 minutes before I realized I'm like, oh, um, by the way, maybe we should go back and talk about this. <laughs> and he says something like, well, that's what we do. We're ultra runners. Yeah. We just dive right into it. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. totally. It was, yeah, that that was 
fun. I really enjoyed talking to him. He has so oh, yeah. many um, words of wisdom and, and perspective on life. That was a one of my favorite episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that one yeah. too. Yeah. And he, he acknowledged the depth too. I think he said, uh, we've gotten pretty deep or if we yeah. haven't gotten, gotten there already or something like that. Yeah. That's funny. Exactly. Yeah. How about Meb? Deb and Meb. Oh, Deb and Meb. Oh, yes. That story's classic. And she offered that up like right at the end. I was like, oh, oh no. that story is so good. Like she takes the door off the hinges. <laughs> she knocked herself out trying to get her photo. She's like, I got, but I got a selfie with Meb. <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't caught Deb's episode yet, uh, Fearless Deb's episode. So she she basically gets this selfie with Meb. I'm not even going to say his last name right. Kofleski. Kofleski. Okay. And proceeds to turn around and practically knock herself cold and have black eyes and a bloody lip. And he <laughs> still has a scar from this experience the day before the New York City Marathon. So yeah, she just... <laughs> And the way she tells it, you're like right there. Like I have a very vivid, like a movie in my mind of what that looked like. And then how uh, Meb's brother, his agent or um, whatever, how yeah, yeah. like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Oh, so if you haven't nice. got her episode, you got to listen to the very end to hear the story about Meb. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. So there's been a lot of, we've even had our own blenders. Like runners are known for throwing out acronyms about different things. And more so than that, military is full of its acronyms. So here you have two military, you know, spouses, or I'm an ex-spouse now. And I would throw out acronyms like CCC at UTMB and Carolyn's going, huh? I had a moment of panic. So I'm interviewing Kim and I'm like, oh, okay, so what races are on your bucket list? And she throws this out. And I was like, I don't even know how to respond to this because I have no idea what CCC means and I have no idea what UTMB means. So she goes on like telling me about these races and I'm like, you need to just like treat me as if I'm in kindergarten here because I have no idea what you're talking about. But you know what? And the same thing has happened to me where you throw out things like CIS and I'm thinking it's something completely different than it is, which is, what does it stand for again? CIS Um, is the Canadian. I think it's the Canadian inter-university sport. Yeah. So it's so yeah. a road running <laughs> thing, right? Uh, track thing. Um, but this further highlights how we're learning from each other, right? Mm-hmm. And Which is the point. It's the point. But also, our listeners are of a, such a broad range um, of runners that we can't assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. So I think it's right. really good when I casually throw out these acronyms that I assume everybody knows what they mean. Carolyn is the reflection on that going, um, if I don't know what it means, maybe there's other people that don't know what it means as well, right? <laughs> and and vice versa. So I'm hoping that you guys, our listeners, are maybe learning as much as we are from each other. Oh, I, um, my knowledge of uh, trail running, ultra running has gone up exponentially since we started this podcast. And to the point that the other week when uh, Killian Journey, so Killian Journey, I've never heard of this guy before. And... I think Jeremy was the first one to reference him because it was in the favorite mm-hmm. book and mm-hmm. movie. So he mentioned, he's like, I really like Killian Jernet's His Summits books. of My Life. Yeah. The yeah. And, and, but he said, and all of his books or whatever. Yeah. And, and, but what I thought he said was Killy and Jornet. So I thought it was like two authors. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so when I did was doing up the show notes, I had to 
kind of dig to <laughs> see what he was talking about. And I'm like, okay, Killian Jornet, I don't know who that guy is. Then I kept on hearing about him in, in various places because, you know, every time you, you know, learn a new word and then you start hearing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was like that. And so I, st- and then you posted recently about he was going to do an, a 24-hour record attempt on the track. Mm-hmm. And here's the link and you can watch it live. So I found myself checking in on this guy's progress. Like this is how now I'm kind of starting to yeah, be interested it. in the sport and yeah so I was I was all into that for you know the day that he was attempting that so that was pretty cool that's cool and and I must say I have had my eyes opened by yourself by your brother by Carlene and the fact that just because we're getting older doesn't mean speed has to disappear. Like I've really had kind of a kick in the ass listening to all you guys talk about, you know, and I will secretly say I've been working a little bit on speed lately. And, and, you know, it's, I pride myself on having the mantra of hashtag no excuses. Like I really, if there's one thing that pisses me off, it's excuses, not even so much from other people. I cannot accept myself giving excuses. And so I have been, I've been using the excuse of I'm getting older and I'm just going to get slower and I'm an ultra marathon runner and I'm just got to be slower. And so I, you know, this has been good. It's been good to learn from you guys that there's no excuses. I love that. And that's what it's all about, right? Inspired souls. We're inspiring each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we go through all of these episodes and we're talking about them, reflecting on them. I must say that every person is unique and different that we've talked to, but there are threads of the same Mm -hmm. in all of the episodes. And it's really interesting just to see how A, we're all humans. B, everybody we've talked to has been runners. And even though we've expressed our humanity and our running styles in different ways, we're really all the same. Yeah. Yeah. We like we're we're all challenged by running. Like it's that I wonder what I can learn about myself, whether it's someone who's trying to run under five minutes in the fifteen hundred meters or someone who's trying to see how long they can go in a big's backyard event. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's what's gonna be around the next corner for me that I that's gonna challenge me, that's gonna cause me to learn and grow and evolve and really um be the best that I can be. It's super, super fascinating how running, I mean, these are very different. I would almost argue that they're, they're different sports in a way, even Mm -hmm. though it's all Mm -hmm. running the the 1500 meter runner and the somebody going 280 kilometers in a a day or what, what did Dave do? It was like 260 something in 24 hours kilometers, like unbelievable. But those are almost different sports in the way that, that we approach them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But yet even Dave at one point said he felt like running around the block was like too far, right? I love, <laughs> like I love that you pointed right? that out. I love that you pointed that out, Tim. He's like, you, you stopped to actually say. So, at some point in your life, running around the block was hard. And yeah. he said, yeah. And I think that, like anyone listening, that you know feels inferior uh, because they're not running this fast or this far or anything like that. It's, it's, 
I love hearing that from really the really high performers of like, no, sometimes, or Carlene even said, mm-hmm. um, after she was done competing in university, she's like, you know what? I walked hills for a long, long time because I just said, you know what? That's too hard. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. I did that for five years, like hardcore for five years. Right. And now I want to just jog or walk. And it's like, yes, <laughs> that yeah. permission slip almost. Yeah. Permission slips. Oh, I'm big on those right now. Giving yourself permission slips. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. So we've had some really funny recording stories and kind of learning moments throughout this whole process. I, I just, I chuckle to myself whenever I think about our very first episode, we literally recorded it in Carolyn's closets. Yep. And I say this plural <laughs> because we realized we couldn't both be in the same closet because our audio would interfere. So I was in her walk-in closet. <laughs> Where I am right now. <laughs> on a stool, you know, with between the clothes. And and then she, you went into your daughter's room, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I was like literally in her closet. Yeah. She has a very tiny closet. And I was like, oh, this is even better because all the clothes and everything's absorbing, you know, any echoes. And this is what we'd learned on the How to Start a Podcast podcast, right? Yeah. We were about all we about tone quality. That, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. In your kitchen with high ceilings and, and tile floors is not the best place to record, like a sound kind of buffered room. So. Then, though, after we did that, we started to realize that we didn't actually need to be in the same house to record. It was actually better to be a bit distant, which was a good thing because COVID has kept going on and on. And now we are are recording in the comfort of our own homes. I'm in my basement in my little kind of alcove office area. We're both still on our Samson 2QU mics. Yes which have given us some trouble. I, my audio has been up and down <laughs> over the different episodes. Oh my goodness. Do you want to talk about John Stanton's oh. episode? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, even prior to that, like okay. the very, so I think the very, very first episode we, we recorded was you interviewing me. And when I went and I did the whole editing for that and realized, holy, this is like, tinny and echoey and the audio is just absolutely terrible but then when we when I interviewed you both of our audio was great so I'm like what did we do here and can we redo mine (laughs) so we redid mine like so I had two different examples so I really liked what I said for the favorite book Dina Castors in Mm -hmm. my first interview but that was with the tinny thing okay and and then in the second one, I screwed up how I answer that question. So I actually took the audio from the first one. And so even my husband noticed, he's like, was that different? Because you get like, so for anyone curious, go back and listen to the end of the podcast questions on mine and the, the audio is really terrible. So yeah, that's how we first started of screwing the audio up. Then... Sarah Seeds. Right. Okay, so Sarah Seeds. Thank goodness she's my BFF because she was so patient with us. (laughs) Okay, so we purposely, intentionally started with people we know very, very well. So Sarah Seeds, who is Kim's, one of Kim's really best friends, and then my brother. Those were our first actual recordings, interviews. And Kevin's went fine, but Sarah's, I, we get 35, 39 minutes into the recording, and I had forgotten to, I'm kind of on the dashboard here of our little software that we use, and I had forgotten to hit record. Yeah. 
So I was like, ah, oh, ah, oh, everybody, uh, can we just stop for a second? We are not recording. Oh my goodness. And then Sarah had a hard stop at the end, so she couldn't start Keep over. going. Yeah. yeah so we had to book her again. <laughs> and then, and then I think that one was, we had to reschedule. So I think we had to do her three times, which yeah. was funny. Yeah. And then just, so John Stanton was hilarious because now this was just this was the last one we released so this just happened like last week so now we're comfortable with all yeah, the like we have all the quirks worked out now there should be and and we also saved you know um inviting some people like John Stan onto the <laughs> onto the podcast until we thought we had all the quirks worked out exactly and so with that one you had trouble joining and, no, and... I could join. I, I could hear you. I My mic was just not picking up sound. And it ended up being a master setting in my computer that had somehow gotten changed because um, no mic I plugged in was working. But yeah, we didn't want to keep him waiting. And we didn't... Yeah. I was getting, I was starting to have a panic attack. I was like, yeah. it's John Stanton and this is not <laughs> working. So embarrassed. And we so, kept trying to troubleshoot. Uh, we would like log out. All of us would restart our computers or log out and back in and nothing was working. And so eventually you're just like, go ahead without me. And yeah. so I was like, ah. <laughs> like I got to do this whole interview by myself. And anyway, so I kind of, and this was all very quick. Like it was all happening in the moment. So I was like, okay, I psyched myself up. I'm going to do this interview by myself. And so in that moment, when I hit record, basically, I still decided for some reason to say, Kim and I are so excited, you know, to have you on. And even though you weren't there, <laughs> and, and I knew I was going to lead with this story because we had this hilarious, if people haven't listened to that episode, go and listen to it because John Stanton and I have quite this funny history together. But anyhow, um, so that took up quite a bit of the maybe eight or 10 minutes or something like that in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, I hear that you're on. Yeah, I basically got on and I didn't want to like say anything to like interrupt until <laughs> it was appropriate. So then I just started kind of going mm -hmm, or chuckling yeah. or something so that you would know I was there. And then I yeah, I don't know if it's obvious to anybody listening after the fact I just kind of appeared. In the well, when I was editing it, though, that what stood out to me is that if you didn't know, I don't really think you would know because that first little story part of it was a thing that of that John and I had. So we had a little bit of back and forth about it. And then there you were. And then you said the next question. So it really, I don't think was obvious. And so it'd be interesting to hear from listeners. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen with this new knowledge about... <laughs> Or recording blunders and uh, see if you if you would have known yeah yeah, yeah he was, was a really good sport about it oh, though he yeah. was super he was patient so gracious he was so gracious yeah, yeah I felt was very absolutely embarrassing. like a total green thumb <laughs> idiot but um I think we saved it yeah it ended yeah. up being a great conversation with John yeah. Yeah. And we had, I think we might have been transparent about this one, but we recorded Mallory in two episodes because her baby and I felt so bad during it. And I know you did too. Like she, we're interviewing her and we can hear the baby fussing in the background the first time. And so I think we cut it at about 20 minutes and we're like, go, go to your baby, yes, <laughs> feed your baby yes. or whatever you have to do. And then I think we came on maybe a week later or yeah. something and, yeah, and did the second part. Week. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been it's been almost it's been over a decade since I've had an infant in the house, but I remember how anxious I would get at the sound of my baby crying and uh-huh. there's nothing anybody can do <laughs> except you, right? And uh, so we had set up that whole interview right from the beginning with a permission slip saying if we mm-hmm. don't get all the way through this interview the first time, we don't. Like, we'll yeah. just take it as a ghost. And uh, so we did. And she, again, was gracious to come back a second time and uh, complete the interview with us. And that's another one that the uh, the feedback from listeners has been absolutely amazing on, Mallory. I loved that so episode. So great to listen to. Yeah. yeah. And she, she had such vulnerability and honesty, but yet she's like... She's like an elite podium finisher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a marathon runner in our sport. And you'd never know it talking to her. Like, she's just the most humble person ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciated the the kind of mastery. Like, just that, like you said, it was surgical. She was surgical yeah. in her approach of yeah. just getting faster and faster at this 100-mile race. It was just, and she kept going back and taking hours off of her time. Like, it was just un- unbelievable. Yeah. So let's let's finish off with the trailer blooper. <laughs> oh my goodness. And this was very, very early on. So we created that. Hi, I'm Carolyn. I'm a I'm a roadrunner and I'm Kim and I'm a trailer. How it begins every episode. Well, <laughs> the very first time we recorded it, I go, Hi, I'm Carolyn and I'm a trail runner. And then I was I realized halfway through what I said. So maybe I'll try to pull up that clip and we'll play it right here. <laughs> hilarious because I think that's a bit of foreshadowing there I've been on Carolyn for a long time but she she lists you even listed what was it seal bay seal bay seal bay (laughs) to run and I'm like that's a trail do you realize that's a trail (laughs) but I think I think that's putting us in a little bit too much of a box like I race I race on the roads but I do the majority of my running I'd say over 90 percent of my running is on trails yeah that's and I, I agree, you know, today, this morning, for example, I, I ran on the road. I do a lot of running on the road here in um especially in Winnipeg, but um when I have a choice I hit trails. So yeah. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't box ourselves too much. Yeah. So what's happening? What's been happening in your running world, Carolyn, in the last few months? And then what's coming up for you in twenty twenty one? I know you ran a marathon and you had You have a bit of story to tell with that marathon. A lot of people have asked about it. I was there supporting, cheering you on for your first attempt at the Manitoba Marathon. That, okay, I'll let you tell your story in a minute. But you and Johnny are like the two cutest, coolest runners in town. He is out there with you on his bike with a sign on the bike that says <laughs> race in progress and he was so proud of himself for oh. rigging up that contraption it was very professional <laughs> he had like yeah. a light and uh, yeah yeah and so he did that whole thing with you just he was about maybe like six to ten feet in front of you on the bike mm-hmm. pacing you and then and there you are barbie doll running <laughs> out behind him in your awesome high socks and <laughs> and uh it was a jacket because it was cold that day so oh, yeah God. you didn't have the run you planned tell, tell us about I it. did not have the run I planned no I didn't um so yeah that was um October 10th originally I was gonna run the Chicago Marathon which is how I ended up meeting Deb mm-hmm 
so that obviously got the rug pulled out from that. And then Manitoba came along and and changed their race date, which is normally Father's Day, to October 11th, or, or it, it turned virtual eventually because they thought they could do an in-person race. So then I was excited and I was signed up for that. And then it turned virtual. So I was like, okay, I'm doing a virtual marathon. So the whole lead up was a little bit unusual. Never before have I trained for a marathon and not been certain that the marathon would happen, yeah. you yeah. know? I guess when I'm reflecting about what the heck happened that day, maybe that's part of it. I mean, running a virtual marathon is not ideal. I think everybody could agree on that. And so that was potentially part of it. But my training did go very well. I was, you never really know with a marathon, there's so much that can go wrong. Like it, it's great to have a goal, but it's, I, I like to have a, a range in my goal, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was trying to set, like, what would be a realistic goal? You know, you usually start with the, the online running calculators like Macmillan or something. So I plug in a, a recent race result. So I had done some 5Ks. So I kind of knew what I the range of which I could run a 5K in. And I was running maybe like a 2030 5K. So I plug in 2030 and it spits out like a 319 marathon. And I'm like, okay, okay cool. So 321 high is my personal best in the marathon. So okay. I was like, oh, that would be super cool to like run a PB. Like I'm I'm in my 40s now, right? So it's not like I'm really going to see a lot of PBs anymore, or at least that's what I've been telling myself. But with the marathon, I had always, in my estimation, underperformed by not a ton, but like five or 10 minutes. I feel okay. like I'm always underperforming in the marathon. So I thought, okay, well, that would be cool to, to be able to say I PB'd the marathon. So yeah, 321 high is like a 447 pace. Okay. for the marathon. And then I thought back to one of the other reasons uh, that I wanted to take this on is um, my very first marathon was in the year 2000. And it was a, I talked about it in my episode, it was just ugly. And anyway, so I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could run an hour faster than that marathon? So I had ended up doing that one in 417. And so I like, oh, maybe I could do it in 317. So I put in 317 to this calculator and it lines up with 2020 5k. And I'm like, I can, I think I can do a 2020 5k. So I sort of had this range that I was aiming for, but I, I was obviously leaving it open that I'll see how the training goes. Like when I do all the marathon pace stuff in my training, we'll just kind of see if that feels like a comfortable pace. And it totally, totally did. Like the whole time I was doing my training and I would do marathon pace running for blocks of time during a long training run, I was always running, you know, 440, high 430s. And so I'm like, okay, well, I think maybe this is possible. So as it was coming up and I was really, I started to think back on what had gone wrong in some of my other ones, like maybe some red S stuff going on. So I was like eating so much and I went for massage every three weeks and I took my, my um, core and hip mobility and hip strength really, really seriously. And I went to bed, like I just had done everything so well I thought and so I'm like I don't think this is unreasonable to I I had estimated to go out around somewhere around 445 pace my number one goal was that I wanted to run in a smart marathon which to me is running kind of like an even pace so the first half and the second half are basically the same or maybe a little bit faster in the second half if I'm feeling good and so that equated for me, if I wanted to finish around, say, 320 um, or 317, like let's say it was going for the 
the one hour faster. I had aimed to do the first half in just over an hour 39 and the second half in just under an hour 39. And so I go out and I went through the first half in an hour 39, but I was feeling it already by then. And what I know about running a smart marathon or any race at all is that the first half needs to feel so incredibly comfortable. And I was already, but like, oh my goodness, like this isn't, this isn't feeling that good. And so, um, but I had somebody join me, Sean from episode five, maybe Sean was episode five. So So Sean joined me at halfway and really the psychological boost that that gave. So here's the other thing about running a virtual that I had, I knew was going to be harder. And so I had had all like you, I had you lined up to come out some Tim and Nikki, Mm -hmm. um, my friend, Laura, I had my neighbor, like all these people I had lined lined up to either physically be out on the course cheering in all of these spots. My friend Miranda, oh, I was trying to think of all the other people. And um, and also, I had people call me at certain parts. So my, my oh. friend Heather called in, Carlene called, like my friend Christy called in. So I had, you it was very phone strict. calls during the marathon? So Johnny accepted the phone call and put me on speakerphone. And he, he was very protective of me. He was so cute. He's like, she's not going to say anything because he was like really cognizant of me managing my energy properly. He's wow. like, she's not going to say anything, but you just give her, say whatever you want, take as long as you want kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. So people called me and yeah, every time it was a very much a boost. And so when Sean joined me, it was very much a boost. He got me back on pace, but really I knew there was a discrepancy in kind of the pace I was looking for and the way I was feeling that was concerning to me because it was still in a marathon. The first half, the first 30 K is what you would call early on, (laughs) you know, So by 25K, I just said to Sean, so Sean, this is important to note too, was in the middle of a virtual half marathon. So he joined me at the halfway point and that was intentional too because we wanted to keep him conservative in the beginning. So I said, you're definitely going to be conservative because I'm going to be in the second half of my race, right? So you're not going to go out too fast if you stay with me. But I didn't want to slow him down. I didn't want him to be going out too slow and and not be able to reach his potential in the half marathon. So by 25K, which is really just 4K for him, into it, I said, go, just go. Like, you do you. And so he did. So I let Sean go and I intentionally said, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to slow down for a bit and (laughs) see if I can salvage this. And it just get getting worse and worse and worse. And isn't this reminiscent of some of the stories that I told you in my episode, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I just, uh, oh my goodness, like it just kept getting so bad that I was running over six minute kilometers. So keep in mind, I'm trying to average somewhere around 445 per kilometer. And by, you know, 30K, I was running slower than six minute kilometers. And my primary goal of this race was to do a smart marathon. And maybe, maybe that might mean a negative split or an even split. And I was just getting, I'm like, you know what, I have done enough positive split marathons that feel absolutely terrible in my life. I don't need to finish this. Like the point for me wasn't finishing. The point was to do it differently than I'd ever done it before. So at 32K with 10K to go, I just said, 
no, this isn't what I came out here to do today. I could have finished. It, like, it wasn't feeling great. I had had some rubbing in my shoes, and uh, I had to stop and put this little piece of foam in my shoe to take off this pressure point, like, stuff like that. But um, I could have pushed through, but it just wouldn't have—I would have been disappointed even if I finished, that I just sort of cut my losses. So I finished at 32 k and I was at 2 hours and 38 minutes. So basically, that's just under five minute pace. So I had started off at 445 pace and just kept getting slower and slower and slower to the point that I was averaging close to five minute pace when I pulled the plug. So I my projection, if I had have finished, so if I had have dragged myself through the last 10K, I think it would have taken me over an hour for a kind of 338, somewhere around there finishing time. And the funny thing is that then two weeks later, so you were the first person, you were there at the finish line, mm-hmm. which I didn't actually arrive to, but you you eventually caught up with me. And you're like, do you think you'll do it again? And at that point, it had never occurred to me to try again. I was so disappointed. And you're like, you could do it again. And I'm like, too yeah, soon, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. window was a month. Well, that was, it was so obvious to me. Of course, I wasn't standing there, wrecked, exhausted, <laughs> shivering. Um, but I'm like, well, you have another month. You like- did. And so you planted that seed. And yeah. then my brother followed up. So Kevin texted and said, well, you know, 32K is kind of the upper limit of being able to recover. Like he was sort of asking, it would be different if I dropped out because of an injury or something right, like that, right. which it wasn't. He said, other than muscle soreness, is there anything? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Like, I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. And I actually recovered pretty quickly. He's like, well, just think of that 32K as like a really good training run. Exactly. And I'm like, okay. So now you're the second person. So I had to sit on it. I had to fully recover. Hold on. Hold on. Did you give him the glare that you gave me when I <laughs> <laughs> Virtually, I did. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, I read I, his I text. This, uh, Kim, now's not the time to bring that <laughs> <more> up. <laughs> Yeah, no, he texted that and I for sure did an eye roll. So yes, I, I treated him exactly the same as I treated you. And and then I started to think about it. And especially as I recovered the muscle soreness, like I, I wasn't sore for too long, honestly. And I went back out and I just kind of, there was no attachment to doing it again. But I, I tried a couple workouts in that upcoming two weeks and they went well. So I said, okay, I'm going to tell no one. So I think part of the mistake is that I made this big deal of it. That's what was so embarrassing to me is that I, you know, had everyone I know out or calling me or, you know, I was public about it on social media and I was so embarrassed and, and kind of an imposter as a running coach. And I'd done all this stuff right. And who's going to ever believe me or hire me or any of like that all was going through my mind, which is interesting. But, um, Anyhow, I'm like, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to have any of that outside pressure. I'm doing this for me, really, yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I think you, I think that was wise. I think that was wise. I'm glad you did it that way. Yeah. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, well, I, clearly I'm not in the shape that I thought I was in. And I still haven't reconciled that part of it. I'm trying to come up with all these. But with the marathon, it's the marathon owes us nothing. And I think this is why we do it. Like, it's part of the appeal. Yeah that all these things can go wrong and you can just really actually have an off day and it means absolutely nothing. So that's what I've chosen to to kind of make it mean or that's how I've chosen to kind of reckon with it is that I just, it wasn't my day. And I mean, really with the virtual and all of the ups and downs in the 
not so much my actual training, but they mentally like, is the race going? Is it going to be in Chicago? Is it going to be in Manitoba? Oh my gosh, is it real? Is it virtual? Like what is going on? Is maybe I didn't appreciate how much toll that was taking because it was more of a mental toll, I think, than a physical toll. But anyhow, so you ended up completing it. The second time, though. Yeah, and and my race plan was completely different. I'm like, I'm going out basically and jogging this. You know, I'm going to go out and and maybe try to average like 5.15 or something like that. You know, just Mm -hmm. go out like a run. And so uh, that's exactly what I did. So instead of 139 halves, I was aiming for like 147 or 150 for the half. Mm Mm-hmm like actually completely going at it differently. I still had a rough patch between 35 and 40, which I think everybody pretty much does. So I did slow down for those 5K. But at 40 kilometers, I was kind of looking at my watch, the competitive part of me, which again, I have I still claim is a healthy competitiveness. I was like, okay, I've got 2.2K to go. And if I really come out of this slump that I'm in, I could still BQ. I could still Boston qualify this, even though it wouldn't count, right? Right. My Boston qualifying time is 340. And I said to Johnny, my husband, and Sean, who was was so gracious to come out again and run the second half with me, uh, I said, okay, I won't be able to BQ at this pace if I keep jogging along here. So I found it within me in those last 2K to see what I had. And I actually ran the last kilometer was my fastest kilometer of the whole thing. You have a kick. I have a kick. <laughs> I know. I know. So I, I was 338.26, which remember yeah. what I was saying? Like if yeah. I had have struggled through and yeah. finished the last 10K of the first attempt, it, I think it would have been around 338. <laughs> and this just felt so much better. Mm-hmm. So I think I was... 147 high for the first half and 151 low for the second half. So it was a, it was still a positive split, but only by about four minutes, which I was happy with. Carolyn, what did you learn in that process between those two races? I learned that the marathon is a beast. It humbles me. It's why I do it, though. It owes me nothing. Mm-hmm. And anything can happen on that day. No matter what, you know, if you've checked all the boxes, you know, because that's sort of the rational part of my brain was saying, but I'd done this and I'd done my massage therapy and I'd eaten lots and I'd stretch like all this stuff. It's like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You you could still go out there and have an off day and that's okay. And it really reacquainted me with my why, like, why do I do this? You know, because yeah. it's it isn't just about performance. Like I do have a performance slant on my running for sure. And again, I don't think that that's wrong or or anything. Like I like to see how well I can do, and I still want to run even if I don't have a great race. It almost like stokes the fire a little bit to be that's like, wow, great. what was that? So, you know, what's interesting to me is. We talk about many different ways to paths you can take to reach a goal um, and enjoying and working with the process, right? Rather than just focusing on the outcome. You ended up with almost the exact same outcome. Exactly. Both of these runs, but the process was so entirely different. Yeah. And by accident, you ended up in the same place, but maybe that was the place you were always meant to. Maybe that was the time you were always meant to do. 
uh-huh. this month, right? But having an enjoyable process and having your mindset in in a place that is in alignment with where you're at can change the experience entirely. And that's, it's really, this is quite an interesting little case study in mindset yeah. and process versus outcomes. Well, you're so right that a 338 on attempt number one versus attempt number two can feel completely, completely different. Yeah. And I think we're always chasing a feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that yeah. more even attempt the second time just felt like night and day yep. compared to the first time. Yeah. Well, and look at, you know, look at back to when you asked me in my introductory episode, why, what my turning point to moving to trails was, it was that feeling. It was like, after I ran that, that Xterra in Hawaii, I just felt so completely different than I did after the marathon. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I mean, there's a lot of other factors in there, but ultimately it was an enriching, enjoyable process versus a a negative yeah, one. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I mean, in the end, I guess I averaged 512 pace and I'm very, you know, this might speak to people or not, but um, I was like 512 pace. So I felt like I was jogging and it got mm-hmm. me thinking about like, that doesn't feel exciting to me as a runner. Like what I love about running is the gun goes off and I feel like I'm racing. Like there's that adrenaline that comes where you're like, oh, I'm turning mm-hmm. on the jets and I'm going. And I didn't get that now I don't know if it was just because it was virtual or whatever but I'm like 512 like that's a that's a very comfortable jog for me and so yes I think it's an underperformance but I also it reaffirmed my love of shorter distances for the simple yeah, fact okay. that okay. it feels like okay here we go you know I'm running it's yeah. so I uh, I've, I'm really quite jazzed in 2021 about seeing what I can do in the 5k. So actually the other week I went out and um, just did a 5k time trial all on my own. I had no expectations and I was able to crack under uh, 20 minutes. Awesome. Yeah, 1956. So is that, yeah, I wanted to ask you what, what your focus is going to be for 2021. Definitely. So 5K? Yeah. Well, 5k, 10k and half, I really feel like okay. I can have the range to do the, all of those well. Like I can train for them basically all at the same time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 So whether races actually go on in the spring of 2021, that's another question mark at this point. But I I would train as if they were. And if I have to do them virtually, I think those are a lot easier to wrap my mind around as a virtual, um, especially the five and the 10K. But even the half, I think I could challenge myself to do a pretty decent half marathon attempt uh, all by myself. That's what I'm focusing on. Yeah. How about you? Cool. How about me? Well, my 2020 year was pretty much a write-off when it comes to races. I did one uh, virtual vertical challenge. It was called the Limitless Challenge, where I tried to get as much vert as I could in a week. Holy. In Manitoba. How much did you do? <laughs> I actually, in six days, I got to the top of Mount Whitney. It was something like 14,505 feet or something like that. That's um, a, lot doing a, a lot of garbage stairs. hill and oh, stairs. You know what? I only went... I only went to Garbage Hill once because, quite frankly, you just couldn't rack up enough for it. It would take me way too long there. But I ran stairs three times a day at work. I did a bit of treadmill where I just put it at 15% grade and just 
hammered it out. Um, I did go to Birch west of Carbon there and I ran hill repeats there for a few hours one night. Yeah, it's amazing how it racks up, especially with stairs. Yeah. You know, I found stairs actually interestingly easy compared to the treadmill at 15% grade because with stairs, it's all about your big muscles, right? I would just lock my ankles pretty much at a 90 degree angle and it's all glutes and quads, mm-hmm. right? Your calves really don't need to work much at all. Whereas on the treadmill, it's more, a uh, lot more calf and the angle is just, it's just your foot's on the ground differently. And I found it actually really exhausting on the treadmill, which is, is informative to know that sometimes you actually need that hard training. You need it to be exhausting. So I'm going to be doing more treadmill at 15% grade for bigger mountain races when they come up again. But the, the one thing that I did do this fall was quite on the, uh, a spur of the moment, actually backing up earlier this summer, I just did kind of a run week in the Canadian Rockies uh, in, in Alberta and Banff, Canmore and Jasper. And so I went out there totally by myself, car camped, swam in rivers and lakes. It was, it was awesome. But gained a fair good amount of fitness there that carried me through the late summer and coming up into fall um Manterio Trail is a trail here in western or eastern Manitoba that pretty much hugs the Ontario Manitoba border but it's just inside Man, um, Manitoba it's 66 kilometers from end to end it runs north south and I kind of threw it out there to my friend Lisa who was on the podcast in episode what was it seven early October I said you know what Lisa let's do Ontario next week. <laughs> and, and I knew she had been doing the training too. Now, mind you, neither of us really were quite properly trained, but at least we had some decent base and we had both done really long runs. And so she, she thought about it for one night and she's like, yep, let's do it. Wow. So we, in a flurry, we made sure we had all our gear together. She had a spot beacon. So I, I want to put this out there that it is not wise to show up on a trail like that if you don't know what you're doing or if you don't aren't properly prepared. So we decided on the spur of the moment, but we do have some experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. You are very remote. There's no cell service. There are no roads that access that trail uh, for about a 52 kilometer stretch. So once you're in, you're wow. in. And so we had, yeah, GPS spot beacon. We had GPS maps on our watches that would, you know, alert us if we were more than a few feet off the trail. And we had emergency supplies, we had gear in case we had to stay overnight, we had stuff to make a fire, we had headlamps, two headlamps each, you know, we had all the stuff. We also had water treatment tabs so that we could get water out of the lakes, Um, even though it was cooler. It's amazing how much it warmed up on the rocks Mm -hmm. uh, while we were there. And it was supposed to rain that day. And thank goodness it didn't start raining until near the end because we would have been, I think, in trouble um, as far as just timing because there was only about 12 hours, not even, I think maybe 10 and a half to 11 hours of daylight at that point when we went out. And people have done that trail. You know, the FKT on that trail is is under eight hours. But it took us a little bit longer than that. (laughs) Mind you, we were not out there to race it. We really wanted to just enjoy the day. We stopped to take lots of pictures. We really only stopped twice for food and water. Otherwise, we just kept moving and eating on on the move. But it was an amazing 
day of just girl time, enjoying the fall colors and doing something that left us honestly feeling like we'd done something oh, the next day. <laughs> like, oh, I, yeah, it sounds sadistic, but I love that feeling of just total body ache. Like you lay in bed and you're just like, I was just hit by a truck, right. but I did something awesome. <laughs> I earned right? this rest and relaxation. Oh, I earned this. Absolutely. And I, you know what? Oh, it hurts to go down the stairs. Yeah. Yes, I love that feeling. <laughs> Type right? two fun. So, yeah, exactly. So I got that. I got that oh. feeling at least once this year. And we checked that off the list. And I don't think there's a lot of women, to be honest, that have done the whole trail in one day, end to end. Mallory Richard has the women's FKT on it, yeah. I believe. Um, but there's not a lot of people out there that are two chicks out there by themselves. Well, so good for you and Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had, we had a lot of fun. And on the backdrop and, of Thanksgiving weekend, right? So you had. Yeah. Yeah. It was Sunday. It was the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. So we had both had our turkey dinners the night before. <laughs> <laughs> we had loaded ourselves up with calories the night before so that we wouldn't have to cook or do anything oh, the day after. Yeah. It was just like total Netflix and pizza <laughs> the next day. So much planning yeah. goes into this. Holy. Oh, you know what? And, and not only that, but it's, it's two hours to either end of the trailhead from our houses. And then you have to drop a car at the finish line. Cause it's not a circle. It's point to point. And then you have to drive to the other end of the trailhead. So we went um, south to north. So we first, we left our, I left my house at 4.30 in the morning and we drove to the north trailhead. We left Lisa's car there. Then we drove to the south trailhead. So it was 7.30 by the time we got there. And so that's three hours of driving before you even start. Wow. <laughs> and then we did the trail and then we picked up her car. She had to drive me back to the south end to pick up my car. And then we finally made it home and it ended up being pretty darn late. It was it was there was a lot of loud music being blasted uh, in my car to make sure I made it. Home well, that right. was that's six hours of driving. Right. That's six hours of driving. So you know, if we were to do it again, I would definitely do it at a time of year where camping at one end, yeah, um, would, would allow you a little less. Or time. if you were attempting in one day, like the height of the summer, where the days are longer. Well, yes, yes and no. The the daylight, yes, okay, we did get lost once uh, along um, Big White Shell Lake in the dark at the very end. <laughs> um, but daylight really wasn't as big of a factor, I think, as yeah. heat. Um, the one negative thing in the summer is it's really hot, so you would have to stop a lot more for water. Right. Um, and those rocks really are like just, they're like oven mm -hmm. bake, baking stone. Like they, the, the Canadian Shield reflects heat quite a bit and I don't do well mm -hmm. in heat so I don't know what to trade off yeah. you know the trail's super well maintained right now I've I've only been on it three times but I've never seen it so well maintained a lot of trees had fallen but they had been cleared it's practically a super highway of trail mm -hmm. for for such a remote area so we really didn't have any barriers that way so yeah that was another bucket list thing checked off that is on our bucket um, list too but again I think we would yeah. camp and <laughs> spread it out over yeah, or do it in multiple days mm -hmm. yeah but you know what I I don't know I've in my younger years I've done a lot of backpacking and I think I'm pretty much done with hauling 60 pounds or <laughs> 50 pounds on my back. I really like going light and mm -hmm. fast. I like fast pack. So predictions for 2021. 
<laughs> so for in the ultra running world, uh, none of us, again, know if races are going to go or not. But the chances of them going are actually, I would say, better than road runs, primarily because the max capacity is like significantly less. Most of these races have a two to 300 runner cap and they are remote and more spread out. So they can meet regulations depending on what the regulations are. So uh, last week, uh, December 1st, uh, a lot of the lotteries and registrations opened for these races. So yours truly was up at 1am <laughs> like we have to do to, to you know, the races I was trying to get into are in Alberta, which opened at midnight, which is one hour time. And uh, yeah, I, I pretty much wasn't that successful. I'm waitlisted for Canadian Death Race and I'm waitlisted for Iron Legs 50 miler. Decided to try for races that are still within Canada and within Western Canada because if they actually do run, I want there to be no travel restrictions right. on me getting no, there. No so, self-isolating. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not even looking at races south of the border unless Western States goes, then I'll go crew for Sarah. And that will be my one self-isolating race that I can't afford to self-isolate mm-hmm. like four times mm-hmm. in the summer, right? <laughs> so uh, that, but then I'm also looking, I need a Western States qualifier again. And so th- there's only four of them in Canada. Lost Souls is sold out from people who are grandfathered from last year. There's two races in Quebec, which do right now still require self-isolation, but I did register for the um, Quebec Mega Trail, which is a 110 kilometer race in early July, and it is a new Western States qualifier. So I'm in that one. As a backup, if I don't get into CDR, if I get into CDR, that's a definite because it's it's only Alberta, yeah. right? And there's no travel restrictions there. Plus, it's I've done it before. I know the course. I know I can do it. And when would you find out? Who knows? Because they they basically have all the people grandfathered from last year are in. And then it's only if restrictions loosen and they're allowed to open up more spots, then they'll take people off the wait list. So right now they've registered the bare minimum kind of that they, they could run the race with. And then if they're allowed to do more people, they'll, but that's what another reason why I was up at 1am is I wanted to be like number one or two on that wait list, not number hundred. Right. right? And do they tell you where you are on the wait list? Yeah, you can, you know what, you can go online and see. I actually haven't. I, I don't know. I'd rather not know right now. <laughs> yeah. But then the other one I actually have registered for is the um, Sinister 750 miler, although it's only a week after the Quebec Mega Trail. At this point, I hate to say it's just money. <laughs> so if I don't end up going, you know, to me, it's less important than finding myself suddenly without any races like I need to race next year I don't you know I need at least one race so if it's just one race it's going to be the sin 750 miler like that's one I've actually really wanted to do for a long time I'm actually waitlisted for the 100 miler too but whatever I'm just throwing my name I am throwing things at the wall and hoping something (laughs) sticks this year like something has to stick the only other states qualifier in Canada is the fat dog 120 miler Mm -hmm. and although I have a love affair with Manning Park and that course. I that's a long, the, long old way. The zombies, the zombies that I saw <laughs> on that course doing the 120 miler when I was doing the 70 miler, uh, it was a whole other level of of suffering. So I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure about that. 
So yeah, that's basically this, this is the time of year that ultra runners really have, it's kind of cutthroat out there. It's like, you've got to, you've got to have plans A, B, C, D, and E. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, hopefully, hopefully something happens next year. If nothing happens, then, then none of us have to worry about it. Yeah. But well, but like you said, the, the chances of the ultras going compared to the road race, the ultras with, you know, a couple hundred people versus the, the big road races with yeah. 10,000 people plus, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's looking more likely that some of these ultras will go because they're, they're, they can be creative with, you know, staggered start times or whatever they have to do exactly. to, so, yeah. to distance. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everybody is distanced, right? Almost right off the get go. They're single track. Like you can't be in big herds of people, like you're on a trail. So just the very nature of the type of race is more in alignment with, with restrictions, but we'll just see. We'll just see. So we've been going on quite a while here, Caroline. Let's just wrap up this episode with um, just some reminders. We're going to give ourselves a little plug here. We're both coaches and um, Carolyn coaches a heck of a lot more athletes than I do, but I believe I'm potentially taking a few athletes in, in January. If anybody's looking for some trail slash ultra running coaching and how about you, Carolyn? Yeah, to me, this is kind of, we're recording this in December. This is like the beginning of the year. If you're a a road runner or you really like that distance, like the 5k to the half marathon is where I would be able to help someone with the most, I think. To me, the way I think about planning a year, it's like now's the beginning of the year. So things that you're doing now are laying the foundation for a great race in April, May, June kind of time frame. And so I will be taking on 10, 15 at the very most athletes to start in January to kind of lay that foundation and really get, yes, the training and the running stuff going, but also the other stuff, you know, the prevention that I'm really big on. So what do you do for strength training and how about eating and all of that kind of stuff we'll talk a lot about. So I do personalized programs for people. So everyone's program would be geared to them and their running history or injury history or performance and all of that um, to try to really get them to the next level in terms of like, I love coaching people that do enjoy you don't have to be fast but you have performance as a part of the picture like you want to get better whatever that means to you so yeah I'll be awesome people on yeah I couldn't agree more you know I would I I've coached people at all different points in the year but my preference is is the December January Mm -hmm. starts because there it's like it's almost like a blank slate right and you can build it up from the ground up yeah and and you as a coach, you really know what you're dealing with <laughs> when it come coming in. And, and again, not to say you can't start working with a coach in May, for example, but by then there's usually maybe you've been flirting with injury or um, there needs to be a rest period to overcome some potential overtraining or whatever. Like who knows what you're dealing with at that point. But January is such a good month to really set lay that groundwork yeah. for the rest of the year really and and as an athlete if you're going to invest in yourself and in a coach that will pay you dividends for the rest of the year even if you can't afford or don't feel you need to do a coach for the entire year um the first part of the year is the the key time to yeah, do it exactly and and it doesn't feel the word that comes to mind when people reach out to me in 
March and April for coaching for a spring race is crammed. Like I just feel like it's it's yes. you're yes. cramming everything and that's just not really mm-hmm. the way it's not optimal for sure. So yeah. it, it's yeah, great to start. And people feel renewed, I find, in, in January, even though the weather isn't great. Mm-hmm. People are kind of like, okay, I yes, I'm the the chaos of the Christmas season is behind us and, and it's a good time to sort of press control, alt delete on things. So I think we all need a control alt delete on 2020. 2020. And I can't wait to rip that last calendar page. Oh, off. no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I also wanted to just give a little bit of a plug for psalming. So you've heard us mention psalming a few times on the the podcast. Yes, I am a Canadian ambassador for psalming, uh, a Swedish running shoe and and apparel brand of shoe. I actually discovered psalming almost five years ago now through through a friend who found their shoes and they're just amazing shoes. I'm not going to go on too long here. Um, Incredible running shoes. I have a pair of spiked running shoes that are as light as air that allow me to run anywhere on the ice that we have outside right now with freedom. And I do have a discount code for 20% off anything off the website in both the US and Canada. So if you're interested in using that discount code, we'll put it in the show notes. It's Seneschal Friends. S-E-N-E-C-H-A-L friends and it's unlimited use. So if you need to pick up a new pair of running shoes for your fresh goals that are going to be starting in January, feel free to reach out to me if you have some questions and use that code to save some money. I'm loving my, what are mine? Speed 8? Speed 8. They're so great. I I got Carolyn a little gift because I wanted her to experience them and-, and my husband has the OT comp and he loves those yes it's I'm quite impressed with the Salming shoes well if yeah I mean all the entire line is amazing but if there's one thing the Swedes know how to do it's winter <laughs> <laughs> and, and winter grip and and winter shoes and winter clothing so yeah even even the speed eights which are technically a, a road shoe we ran our first run together oh yeah <laughs> we didn't, we even didn't mention, mention this at the that. we finally had our first first run in November on a trail in snow and we wore our road shoes our skates, <laughs> our road shoes, just to make sure we were like hybrid and they were great I was actually honestly shocked I've never ran used those shoes on a trail before right and they the grip was yeah. great like they, they ran quite well so yeah, yeah. Okay. okay so we have lots of guests lined up or at least hope you know a list of wish lists for guests lined up for 2021 I'm really excited to talk with more runners this next year and to hear more stories and I can't wait to see what's coming up yeah and I think it's important here to note that uh, we've been getting you know, suggestions from people like, hey, you need to interview this person or that person. So formally, we're putting it out there. If you have a suggestion of somebody that you'd like interviewed on an upcoming episode of our podcast, just reach out to us. You can email us at inspiredsoulscast at gmail.com. And maybe even that person is you. (laughs) If you have a cool story to tell, you do not have to be a fast runner or an elite runner. If you are just someone that loves running, you've overcome something, you have a story to tell because we all do, we want to hear from you. Yeah. So... Thank you for listening to this episode of um, Carolyn and I just catching up and giving you a little backstory. And thanks to our amazing guests for sharing their stories. It takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to share your stories. So thank you for 
gifting us with your time and your stories. Please, listeners, connect with us on Instagram and social media. Um, please consider giving us a rating or a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate that for the people that have already done that. And subscribe to our feeds so you don't miss a single episode of Inspired Souls Cast. And I just want to finish by saying thank you, Kim. You have been an amazing co-host. I've enjoyed going down this little podcasting journey with you. I've enjoyed learning about you and getting to know you better, learning about ultra running and just all of the wonderful things you brought into my life this year. And I look forward to doing more and more podcasts and putting more and more good content out for people uh, in 2021. Well, now what am I supposed to say to that <laughs> other than ditto? It's awesome, Carolyn. You, you've been an amazing host and thank you for starting on this amazing journey with me. 